This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. New content will be available every week throughout 2016. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. Psalm 68, verse 5 and 6. God is a father to the fatherless and a defender of widows. Is God in his holy habitation? God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in the dry land. God sets the solitary in families. It's ironic, is it not, that in a world that's so terribly crowded with 7 billion people, that people feel so terribly lonely. Somebody said that a city is a place where thousands of people are alone together. In a shrinking world, we've never lived closer, yet we've never lived further apart. Sprawling estates, blocks of flats, gated communities, dividing walls. It's interesting when you travel abroad to most countries I've been, you find that most homes has got large walls or fences and big gates. We don't seem to have much of that here, but in many countries, particularly in Europe, they do. Do you remember the time, some of you may, our age anyway, the time when you could have left your key in the front door? I remember the street where I was born and raised. Most front doors were not closed during the day. There was always somebody at home. And neighbors or friends or visitors could walk up the hall and shout, Lizzie, are you in there? (laughs) And they would be in. Somebody would be in. But those days are gone. You'd be mad if you left your key in your front door today, wouldn't you? You'd come home and the place would be empty. In fact, some people could be dead in their home for days before anybody would ever know they're gone. Songs also reflect this feeling of loneliness. I'm going to show me age here. Roy Orbison, only the lonely. <laughs> Elvis, are you lonesome tonight? <laughs> the Beatles, <laughs> Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Heart Club Band. <laughs> Gilbert O'Sullivan, alone again, naturally. Anybody remember that? Oh, you're embarrassed to put your hand up, weren't you? Or All By Myself, Celine Dion. In fact, there's many country and western songs, and it's about loneliness, isn't it? And there's only one thing worse than loneliness, and that is dying alone. Isn't it awful that many, many people die alone? Not one person near them. Because they live on their own. Family lives maybe far away. The psalmist experienced Loneliness. Psalm 102, verse 6 and 7, let me read it. I am like a pelican in the wilderness. I'm like an owl of the desert. I lie awake. I'm like a sparrow alone on the housetop. <laughs> he was feeling pretty lonely, wasn't he, when he wrote that? All kinds of classes and creeds suffer from loneliness. Many comedians who made the whole world laugh died 
lonely people. Many celebrities have died lonely people. Now, there's a difference between aloneness and loneliness. Difference between aloneness and loneliness. Aloneness is solitude. It's something that you choose. Something that everyone needs. All of us like to have our own space, don't we? All of us like to have those moments in a day or an evening when you have your own space. We love our company. Certainly we love our husbands and wives, but their children, but it's nice to have a little bit of space. I know that young parents say that those few hours when the kids are in bed is the golden hour, <laughs> when they can just be by themselves just for a little bit of time. But that's usually temporary, but it's necessary. Even Jesus himself, from time to time, Jesus wanted to be alone. And he would go up a mountain, or he'd go into the garden, or get on a boat, or go for a long walk. Just wanted to be by himself. And all of us need those times to think, to pray, to meditate, to perhaps to plan or reflect or to hear from God or to decide. And so it's deliberately coming apart, coming apart to rest a while. And Jesus said that to his disciples. Let's come apart and rest a while. Not that he got much rest after he said that because the crowds were waiting for him at the other side of the lake. But that was the intention. That was what he was deliberately trying to do. But loneliness is different than aloneness. Loneliness is unwanted. It's being apart rather than coming apart. It can happen through the loss of a dear friend. Can happen through the loss of a partner. Suddenly, you feel lonely. Can happen through the loss of a family. Remember Naomi in the Bible, how that she said, Lord, I went out full and you brought me back empty. When she went out into Moab, she lost her husband and she lost her two sons. <laughs> she almost lost both daughters in law, but one stayed with her, Ruth. And she just felt terribly lonely. All that was near and dear to her was gone. And so that can happen to anyone and it can cause loneliness or loss of a job. I, I remember uh, my brother-in-law, in fact, Elaine's dad, uh, we worked in the same place uh, for many years. And he said he worked in that place from the day they built it. He was there for 30-something years. And he says, I saw grown men crying when everybody was paid off because some of their best friends they work with. And he said, to tell you the truth, I hardly ever seen any of them ever again. And he says, I saw men crying because they were never going to see those friends ever again. And there was just that feeling of loneliness. Sometimes it can be through loss of confidence maybe through a failure in life. Peter must have felt the loneliest man on the planet when he denied Jesus. 
And when Jesus looked at him, and he realized, and he ran, and he hid for a while, he must have felt the loneliest man on earth at that time. But whenever Jesus sent for him, tell my disciples, I'm Peter, because he knew exactly how he would feel. And so sometimes through a failure, people can feel lonely. Sometimes it can be self-inflicted. Some people are just not friendly. You've met some, haven't you? You maybe work with some. I better not say maybe you live with some. <laughs> Aren't going to be in trouble. But some people are just not friendly. There's nothing warm about them. Sure there's not. You struggle to make conversation. They put distance in everything between everybody. And, and so, whether it's a selfish reason or what, I don't know what it would be, but just some people are just not friendly. And consequently, they don't have many friends. And it could lead to loneliness. Proverbs 18 and 1 says, A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. And so there's a difference between aloneness and loneliness. And there's a difference between isolation and insulation. Isolation has to do with circumstances. Insulation has to do with attitude. Often people feel isolated because of their circumstances. <coughs> they feel cut off, separated, uncared for, unwanted, unnecessary, unneeded. And they just feel isolated from life and from people or from community or from family. But insulation has to do with attitude. Some people not wishing to be hurt again or to be rejected again or to be put aside again. And they try to insulate themselves so they're going to get hurt again. And so they wrap themselves around with layers of suspicion and distrust, and they disconnect from other people. And they disconnect from family or community or church life or whatever the case may be. And they do it to insulate themselves. But what they find out is by trying to insulate themselves, actually they isolate themselves more. They just become more lonely. So loneliness has many a cause. And for many, loneliness is a curse. But thank God, loneliness has a cure. Heaven has a cure for earth's care. What is the cure for loneliness? What's God's answer to loneliness? The fellowship of God in Deuteronomy 2.7, the Lord your God has been with you. That's the past. Joshua 1 and 9, the Lord your God is with you. That's the present. 2 Samuel 14.17, the Lord your God will be with you. That's your future. Psalm 27 and 10, when my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will lift me up. 
And so there's a cure for loneliness. The fellowship of God. Psalm said in Psalm 37, 25, I've been young, now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed bagging bread. And Jesus says, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. His presence is with us whether we feel it or not. It's wonderful when you feel it, but whether you feel it or not, we walk by faith, not by sight. His promise is, I will never leave you, I'll never forsake you, I'm with you always, even unto the end. And it's literally just a prayer away. As close to us as the very breath in our body. Jesus himself experienced lowliness for us. He felt forsaken even by God for us. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He felt that loneliness for us. And God the Father allowed him to experience that for us. Psalm 139. Verse 7. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. <laughs> and in other words, there's nowhere you can go. Nowhere you can go that God is not there for you. His promise is, he will never leave you nor forsake you. And so we have the fellowship of God. We have the fellowship of God's people. A father to the fatherless, the defender of widows, is God in his holy habitation. God sets the solitary in families. Thank God for the family of God. It's not perfect. Sometimes it's irritating. Sometimes you get annoyed. Sometimes you want to go ballistic. But thank God for the family of God. There's no better family in the face of the earth than the family of God. We need the family of God. We need the fellowship of God's people. The Christian life was never supposed ever to be lived in isolation. There are no spare parts in God's body. Everybody's there and has a reason and a purpose to be there. You can fish alone, you can hunt alone, you can shoot alone. You can hike alone. You can run alone. You can exercise alone. But you can't play football alone. You can't play rugby alone. You can't play cricket alone. You can't synchronize swim alone. <laughs> there are some things that's not made to do alone. And the Christian life is one of them. We're not made to be alone in a Christian life. Now, I know there's some people, and they say, well, I don't really want to be in church, and I can just worship God out in the fields as I go walking, a load of nonsense. It's not scriptural. It's not biblical. 
were made to be part of the body of Christ. And we can't opt out of the body of Christ. Now, I know that some people are not able to go to church. They're disabled and they've got disabilities and all kinds of situations or they've gone too old. We understand. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about fit and able-bodied people should be around other believers. We're meant to be because we're the body of Christ and we're members in particular. And so we have the fellowship of God. We have the fellowship of God's people and we have the fellowship of a friend. Isn't it great to have a friend? Friends are hard to come by. And I mean true, real, true blue friends. Not easy to come by. Solomon said in Proverbs 17 and 17, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. Byron said, friendship is love without her wings. Proverbs 18, 24, but there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And so to have a friend is vitally important in our life's experience. And it's really important in our Christian experience to have a friend, to somebody that's true and honest. Somebody says a friend is the first person that comes in when the whole world goes out. Isn't it nice when somebody comes in when the whole world goes out? Do you have a friend? Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Let me read it to you. Verse 9 to 12. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. And if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can't withstand him, and a threefold cord is not easily broken. And so there's something important and special and necessary and vital about having a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And it may take a long time to get a friend such as that. So that's why we have got to keep our friends because they're hard to find. Jesus said in John 15, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. Jesus calls you, believer, his friend. <laughs> no one ever cared for me like Jesus, the old song said. Huh? He truly is our friend, isn't he? What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. But it's not only important to have a friend, but to be a friend. To reach out to others. Dale Carnegie said, you can make more friends in two months by being interested in other people than in two years trying to get other people interested in you. 
I remember years and years ago in here, I, I'm going back 30 plus years. There was a girl who used to come here. She was in her 20s. And she came to me one Sunday after the service. She was in a bit of a state. She says, Pastor, can I talk to you? I said, yes. And she started to cry. She says, I have no friends. I have tried to make friends, but I have no friends. I only have them for a little while and then no more. And I knew why. Because her friends had told me the reason. And I had to tell her, I had to be honest. I said, let me tell you why right now you have no friends. And I believe you have tried to make friends, but they don't want to be your friend. She says, that's right. Why is that? I says, well, I'll tell you. It's because what they say is you have no interest at all in anything they have to say. You're only interested in what you have to say. <laughs> and you know that was true. She never ever asked anybody about their life or their problems or their situations or their struggles. It was always me, 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 me. And after a while, people got tired of the me, me, me. And they saw she was not interested in them. Everything, all the friendship she wanted was for her, not for them. And they walked away. She says, I never realized that. I says, now you do. Now I try and make some friends by being interested in their lives, not just your life. And I guarantee you, if you get interested in their lives and give it some time, they'll be interested in your life too. Proverbs 18, 24, a man that has friends must show himself friendly. There's the scripture. Want a friend? Be a friend. I don't know who wrote this, but it's lovely. Seldom can a heart be lonely if it seeks a lonelier still. Self-forgetting, seeking only emptier cups with love to fill. Isn't that nice? <laughs> And then somebody else said, and I don't know who this was either, I went to find a friend but could not find one there. I went out to be a friend and friends were everywhere. <laughs> it depends on your attitude, doesn't it? Henry Ford says, my best friend is the one who brings out the best in me. Who brings out the best in you? That's a good friend. Iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Proverbs 27, 17. Iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Again, I don't know who wrote this, but I think that it's lovely. A friend is one to whom one may pour out all the contents of one's heart, chaff and wheat together, knowing that the gentlest of hands will take and sift it, keep what is worth keeping, and with the breath of kindness, blow the rest away. Huh. I read this this week. Out of the furnaces of war came many true stories of sacrificial friends. One such story tells of two men in World War I who were inseparable 
They had enlisted together and trained together and were shipped overseas together. They fought side by side in the trenches. But during an attack, one of the men was critically wounded in a field filled with barbed wire obstacles, and he was unable to crawl back to his foxhole. The entire area was under a weathering enemy crossfire, and it was suicidal to try to reach him. Yet his friend decided to try. But before he could get out of his trench, his sergeant yanked him back inside and ordered him not to go. It's too late. You can't do him any good, and you'll only get killed yourself. A few minutes later, the officer turned his back, and instantly the man was gone after his friend. A few minutes later, he staggered back, mortally wounded, with his friend now dead in his arms. The sergeant was both angry and deeply moved. What a waste, he blurted out. He's dead and you're dying. It just wasn't worth it. With almost his last breath, the dying man replied, Oh, yes, it was, Sarge. When I got to him, the only thing he said was, I knew you would come, Jim. I knew you would come. So one of the true marks of a friend is that there's every reason for him, when there's every reason for him not to be, then he'll be there sacrificially. <coughs> Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times. A brother is born for adversity. Let me close with this. Gord MacDonald points out in his book, Restoring Your Spiritual Passion, that the Apostle Paul, strong as he was, had great need and great capacity for friendship. The Apostle Paul was clearly a man committed to raising up a band of special friends. He knew who they were. He regularly recognized them for their contribution to his spiritual passion. His friends were a resource upon which he obviously depended and without which he would not have survived. His address book of special friends would have included Aquila and Priscilla, with whom he occasionally worked and lived. That's in Acts 18. Only Cephas, for he oft refreshed me, 2 Timothy 1. Philemon, of whom I have deprived much joy and comfort from your love. And Luke and a host of others. Paul's friends came from all ages and backgrounds, and he seems to have taken great care to cultivate them. And so God's answer to loneliness, his fellowship, his friendship, the friendship of others, and us reaching out and being a friend to somebody else. And when you're feeling low and lonely, then reach out and be a friend to somebody else. You'll find your loneliness will go. And you'll get interested and involved in the lives of other people. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, you have made us a spiritual, mystical body on this earth. Your body. You're the head, we're the body. And each of us has a part to play in the body. And so we thank you for our part and help us to play it well, effectively. And thank you for the church of Jesus Christ, the great body of Christ upon the face of the earth. No matter where we go in this world, there will be fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And we thank you for that. 
And Lord, what a day whenever we get to the glory. <laughs> what reunions there will be. What joy there will be. We thank you, Lord, that en route, we're going to have friends and we're going to be friendly. We're going to reach out and we're going to touch the lives of others. Thank you, Lord, for reaching out to us, for saving us, winning us to yourself by your Spirit. We give you thanks tonight and we bless you. So, Lord, as we go into this new week, help us, Lord, to touch the life of somebody else for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.